Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. Officially live on Facebook. So this will be our first official, unofficial (laughs) uh, podcast episode for what's called the Reflection Artist Live. And this will allow us to cover uh, life, business, and detailing. It uh, doesn't matter any specific order, of course, but you know, depending upon who we have on, uh, we'll determine what topics we cover, of course. So whether it's manufacturers or individuals that are detailers themselves, either or, we're going to have an abundance of guests on this podcast, and we're going to do it once a week. We're going to start doing it on Wednesday uh, at 12 p.m. Eastern time, and it's going to run anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, so you'll be able to go back on different podcast platforms and or social media platforms and, you know, revisit any of these interviews that we have with a lot of these special guests. So first and foremost, I have on today is Clint Hintz. He's with Buff and Shine Manufacturing. And um, why don't you go ahead and dive in, Clint, and give us a little background about who you are, where you came from, and how important you are to our industry. Oh, goodness. That would take, uh, how long is this podcast? Hopefully three hours. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll make sure uh, we figure it out so we can get my pretty mug on there because I shaved and combed my hair and did the whole thing. So for you, my friend. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. No, this is great. Uh, this is uh, really good stuff. Uh, thanks for, for uh, having me on. I mean, I'm, as as we go forward, I'm, we're going to have a lot more interesting people than me. But um, yeah, so I've been with Buff and Shine for almost three years now. Um, and I came from a couple other jobs before that. Uh, I guess you could say I was kind of trying to find my way, uh, which I finally found my home, which I love because I love working at Buff and Shine. Um, But really, my history starts uh, prior to 1998. I I did a lot of things all in the uh, automotive detailing world, mostly management, um, managed shops, things like that. I managed an Odessa auto auction recon shop for a few years. Um, But when I was done with school, I wanted to do something and stay in the industry. So I had a, a, a gentleman uh, who's, uh, I, I believe he's still affiliated with Tornador, but uh, Dennis Dean uh, had showed some type of an interest in me. And at that point, he was with uh, Auto Magic uh, when they were down in Texas and they were called Auto Wax Company at the time, not Auto Magic, uh, which was prior to the buyout by uh, Illinois Tool Works. So I spent about almost 17 years of my career uh, with uh, Auto Magic and I. Uh, it was a great ride. I learned a lot. I mean, it was a lot of hard work, but uh, I started in auctions. I spent my first four or five years in uh, complete reconditioning with an assembly line uh, type of uh, operation, which I believe it or not, I got quite well at, not by developing so much, by, by listening, learning. Which um, is known as production style detailing now. Absolutely. And, you know, I kind of wish you could see me right now because, uh, you know, a, a good friend of mine, the, the, the late Mike McFall, who I worked with, who was kind of my mentor at the auction, she used to say, yeah, we just call it drive-by buffing. They just kind of turn the buffer on and then drive the car up the lane and just try to get the pad as much as they can on the car. <laughs> you know, because as you, I'm sure you're aware, Justin, you know, some, not stereotyping, but some auto auctions are not really known more for 
quality, but more, as you said, for uh, production. Yeah, and, and, and just to, to touch on that, too, without losing sight of your what you're explaining in your background, but that's, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but unfortunately, there are levels in this industry, and those levels come with different, you know, standard operating procedures, of course. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's just the way things are done on a a hyper productive level of having to get things out when no, when you're not paying somebody well, but you want somewhat mediocre expectations of an end result. So you are forced to basically have to produce something really fast and kind of cut corners, but utilize maybe the chemicals in their advantage of filler and things of that nature for that production of going across the block or the line when it comes to auctions, because they just need to be clean and shiny. There's no clean, shiny, and protected. It's just clean and shiny right. and presentable and sellable. It's it's basically inventory that you have to make look good in order for it to flip the dollar. Shine it and ship it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So go ahead. No, but it, 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 those are very good comments. But, but I will tell you this, you know, it, in this, developing a, an assembly line process really does take breaking down every single aspect of how you clean the car because to have an assembly line that runs uh, effectively, you need each station to have relatively incremental time, uh, the same time increments, meaning if there's two people washing the car, it takes them 15 minutes, and obviously you want to set up the interior and the buff so it all has incremental times, whether it's 10 minutes or 15 or 20, depending on how many people. But in theory, every whatever time frame that is, the car goes out the door, car goes in the door, and then the lane goes up one car. So it's definitely a very, very, very interesting uh, process in which I learned a lot. And I think some of the key components that I did learn is what I just said. It really took me to break down every single thing that you do on the inside and then outside of a car. And, you know, as you know, Justin, repetition, you know, is learning. And once you keep doing it and talking about it and teaching it, you start to remember, oh, there's a headliner and, oh, you know, those package trays are they were infamous or that's an infamous place to get dog hair or that, you know, fifth row seat, that type of thing. So it really was a great learning experience for me altogether, although it was hard work, a lot of hours. No, I, I completely understand. And that's where, you know, being with Automagic, you know, them and some other industry names such as Ardax, Carbright, you know, those kind of affiliations are that of the production style detailing. They produce premium products and, of course, production style products in bulk to accommodate those situations because they're buying a lot of products at one time at those auctions. So they need yeah. to work with a company that has, you know, either really good or just okay. And there's different lineups for that, you know, um, products to accommodate what they're trying to achieve, you know, especially on a mass quantity. Absolutely. I mean, those are, those are good accounts for, you know, whoever has those auto auctions, but there's a lot of uh, maintenance that comes with them. Um, you know, the auctions, you know, typically don't like to spend a lot of money. Um, obviously, they run or, you know, run as lean and mean as they can. So chemical selection, and most importantly, was application. You know, yeah. they wanted to take a pre-spot cleaner and, you know, dilute it 100 times, which makes it, you know, not very uh, strong and use it as a pre-spot. So in saying that, I had to, well, I should say we, our team, whoever I was working with, had to try to develop how do we get those chemicals on that car as quickly as possible so it has as much dwell time as it can. Because as yeah. you 
know as well as I do, you can take a strong degreaser and spray it. And it, you know, it's going to lighten things up a little bit quicker than a heavy, than a, uh, a diluted one. But if you have the correct application and you put that uh, a more diluted product on a car, but give it dwell time, maybe a little bit of agitation, it works, you know, as well as I do. Yeah, more effective, more efficient. And overall, you know, that correct dialed in dilution makes a world of a difference without too much or too little. I agree. Uh, um, so as far as, you know, after, you know, working this, you know, the auction or the circuit of, of, of having that background with the auctions, where did you go from there? Well, it's still with Auto Magic. Oh gosh, this was probably I was into the early two thousands then, uh, and they moved me out to Southern California. Um, SoCal. Yeah, so I lived out there for a couple of years, which was a nice time for me. I was I was young, and believe it or not, I was thin and tan, and learned to surf a little bit, and you know, so it was a good time for me. But um, what basically had happened there is, you know, the the, the former owner uh, David Miller, who was I was fond of him, and he was fond of me. We had a good relationship, and. You know, he more or less was trying to push me into sales. And I said, no, I, I, I like to train. And it's funny, something still sticks to me to this day, Justin, you know, he told me, he said, well, Clint, you know, when you're training, you're selling. And I said, I, I'm not following you. And he said, you know, you know how to, do you, do you know how to help people fix stinky carpets? Yeah. Do you know how to help them get swirls out of their paint? Yeah. Okay. Well, then all you have to do is remember with the training part comes the product part. And you know, when you can introduce that product and put it in an effective way that you're not only saying, hey, here's an application or a procedure, but here's a chemical that works good with it. And then the light bulb kind of went off, Justin. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I can do this selling thing. So from that point on, which I'd say was probably 2003, something like that, I went into more or less regional sales uh, where the majority of my career, I covered the West part, uh, pretty much everything West down through the Dakotas everything west down to Texas, Hawaii, and Alaska, um, which is ironic because and I was with Automagic for so many years. There was different times that we uh, uh, had some employee changes and territory changes that I became familiar because I worked the Northeast for a while and I worked the Midwest for a while. So it was great coming on with Buff and Shine because, you know, I remember my first ICA, I had a couple of uh, not limited to Automagic distributors, but a couple of them, you know, stop by the booth and say, hey, man, we want to buy pads. And I said, well, you know, I'm out East, you're out West and Julio being Julio, you know, he doesn't care about, I'm not saying he doesn't care about commissions and sales, but you know, he looked over at me and gave me that Julio look. And he said, go get the business Clint. Yeah. And, yeah, and I like working that way. And you know, Julio as well as I do, he's great to work with. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, so, you know, after, Auto Magic, though, give us a little bit more background because you, you, you've worked with other companies, which is great yeah. for your resume to mention, I think, because it shows the, the amount of, you know, time you've put into the industry with different brands and you've learned from different aspects. So yeah. your, your feedback is valuable to a lot of those out there when they're trying to figure out liquid abrasive match with pads, which you're currently, of course, being with Puff and Shine. It, it, it's more of a vetted feedback versus just shooting from the hip. Absolutely. No, I know. And you're right. And so when, I, when Illinois Tour Works bought um, uh, Auto Magic, uh, uh, Auto X company at the time, uh, I stuck around for a couple more years and, and I really don't have anything bad to say. It just wasn't my environment anymore. You know, I am just very attracted to a very uh, intimate environment where I can talk to an owner or a decision maker. And, 
you know, I, you know, getting with that big corporate 200, uh, again, very successful. They had great ideas. They did great things. I just, it just, I guess maybe it was just that time. I was like, I'm just not sure if I want to throw, be the quarterback of this team anymore. So, um, I had always had a really good relationship with the guys at ECP and, uh, you know, Chris Peroni and actually, actually he and I, you know, we went back many moons while I was with, uh, Automagic, you know, he knew I was a tenacious competitor and I knew the same of them. And we always were very equal out in the field. And so I went and I worked with them for uh, at least three going on four years. Um, and part of that reason too, Justin was, you know, I had been away from home since 98. So this, this probably goes back, oh, whatever, but um, it was time. I wanted to go back home, which a home for me is Ohio. I never married. I never had children. And my, my folks are, we're getting to be that age. So, you know, that opportunity came up and ECP worked with me very well than being a Chicago based company to say, Hey, look, go ahead and move to Cleveland. Um, and truth be told, I probably would still be with ECP to this day. But one thing in my life happened that changed my life. And what it was, Justin, was I got burnt out. I can simply tell you that after 20, that would have been 21 or 22 years of almost every week, Monday through Friday travel, living out of a suitcase, eating at restaurants. I know it sounds incredibly fun. Yeah, sleeping in the car, bathing at the community truck stops. I get it. Not quite that bad, but I've been close. <laughs> I have some good stories, travel stories. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that really was what took me. Um, that's really the only reason that I left was, you know, ECP was a very high, uh, it was a lot of high demands with travel, you, you know, with sales, you have to do that. And I just was to a point where I just literally, I said, I need a break. Yeah. Uh, and even with you being the perfect fit for the scenario with, you know, no, no family, no kids, nothing tying you down back home to say, yeah. um, it's still, yeah, I, I get it. It could definitely burn you out. I mean, it's too much of one thing over and over again. It gets to a point to where you just, you just want to kind of stop and settle for a second. And it doesn't sound like you had the opportunity to do it that much. No, I didn't. And and, and it was, it, it was getting to be almost mental health reasons. You know, it was really to the point where I was like, I wasn't happy anymore, Justin. And, and for two decades, I mean, you couldn't have ruined my day. I loved my job. I love traveling. I love what I do. I, I love teaching people and I love learning and I love the industry. And so I just knew that this had to happen, that I needed to make a change in my life. And uh, there was a, a Mike Dixon owns, uh, you know, Mike, uh, we've, yep. we've ever been there before. PDP, IDA past president. Absolutely. Great guy. Absolutely. Well, that's how him and I kind of got to know each other. You know, I was on the board uh, many, many moons ago and Mike was on my committee and he did quite a bit of work with me in regards to the original CD testing. And I remember him saying, hey, you know, you ever get out this way, stop and see me. So I would from time to time. And it just had so happened that I called him up and he said, I said, hey, I was going to stop by. I stopped by, sat in his office and he said, you know, it's ironic. He said, I really, really, really am wanting to hire a general manager uh, for my facility. Um, and it was perfect. I mean, it was really the perfect fit at that time. It was a normal, you know, eight to five, six o'clock. There was very little travel. It really gave me the opportunity to really, really just take a breather and, and, and focus on different challenges because was it challenging and tough? Oh my gosh, it was amazingly, but it was new. It was different, you know? Yeah. 
So yeah. I was with Mike for about the same amount of time as I was with DCP, probably about three years. And again, oh, I, I love his team. I love work. I say the Mikes because, you know, you got Mike Dixon, Mike Pulaski. I love working with the Mikes. They're so passionate. And they're so passionate about what you and I are passionate about. The yeah, industry, yeah. Innovation and idea. They are huge advocates for the IDA and the industry as a whole, regardless of, you know, their brand that they represent. They, yeah. you know, have that obviously, but also representing the industry and, and having the cross between both and so much caring is you is a unique value. It is. And and they're a unique bunch. You know, Mike is very, very passionate about the quality uh, of his chemicals. And I have always uh, pride myself at wanting to work for the best. I, I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being the, the cheap guy or gal out there. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not me. I like to sell the best. And I liked that about Mike is that he did not want to make products that were just okay. He wanted to make premium products. So it was a great um, time for me. It was a great time for me to get back involved with IDA. That's when I got to dive back in because there was a couple, three years there that I just didn't have the time or support I needed to be able to be as uh, active in the IDA. So it was really, really nice to be able to uh, uh, have a bunch of guys and gals around that shared my same passions. And uh, that was same a great vision. couple of years. Yeah. So I guess what I'll say here, kind of in closing with this is, you know, Richard Umbro, the owner of Buff and Shine, him and I had actually, we had talked uh, numerous times through the years, but Justin, you know, as well as I do, everything is about timing. And when he was ready, I wasn't. And when I was ready, he wasn't. And I remember uh, I was actually sitting uh, poolside down in Florida, taking a couple of days off and uh, my phone rings and uh, I can't tell you who it is, but it's an industry uh, legend. And this particular guy called me and he said, Hey, you need to call Julio right now. They're looking for a guy. And I recommended you. And uh, I said, well, that's funny. I've talked to them before, but to make a long story short, um, it wasn't long later. I mean, it only took us a, a couple few weeks just to come down to, you know, say, hey, look, this is this is good for me and this is good for you. And so I started uh, December 2nd, uh, almost uh, three years ago. So it's been a great ride. And obviously I've got to work with you, which has been amazing and Julio. So it's been it's been a good couple of years for me. I, I cannot complain. No, and it's been it has. I, I definitely agree with you. And, uh, you know, having the background that you have from from so so many years ago when when detailing was so basic, you know, so. Mm -hmm so much easier compared to now where everything is so involved. You know, we have, you know, we've, we've separated categories and created layers. And I think this all started around, I would say more of the 2008 timeframe. We, we hit an evolution yeah. period of the industry where, you know, the basics were just, you know, polishing the paint at some level or buffing the paint and you had your rotary and your DA and, and it was just real simple. There wasn't a lot of machine brand competitors and, there wasn't a lot of liquid abrasive competitors and, you know, ceramics really weren't quite there yet. There was some, but not nowhere near as an ocean of, you know, options as there is now. So in the money to be made, it wasn't the same, you know, you couldn't get yeah. a, a, a one man shop or two man shop to be making, you know, seven figures, six figures, you know, out of their shop as you can now to where most of these guys start up. And they're able to jump right into it. So you came from an era that helped develop and pave the way for what a lot of detailers will never understand or never know because they've been, you know, we've all been spoiled with the luxury of 
education and information that you can find online and YouTube. And there's, you know, the pros and cons to, to the YouTube uh, education side. Uh, it's filtering through that to understand what's right and what's wrong, of course, uh, what's hearsay and what's watered down education. But yeah, I mean, you, you've got a, a proven background, I think overall that a lot of the industry, um, I wouldn't say to say lax, but there's not a lot of people who have gone through it like you have still around. There's a yeah. small bunch, uh, yeah. you know, and a good thing is a lot of that small bunch are IDA affiliated at some level, of course, being a member, being, sure. you know, whatever credential within that's offered. So it shows a lot that those guys are, you know, like yourself seeing the bigger picture because there's been so much groundwork made with yourself and others that have been doing this 20, 30 plus years. Yeah. Uh, which, which is a huge when it comes to coming on board with, you know, a pad company versus the other companies you were with, there was, you know, liquid abrasives, cleaners. Yeah. I mean, that was everything, right. You know, between auto magic that made everything PDP who you know, carried a lot and made their own brand. It, it wasn't simplified like pads to say in comparison. Yeah. As yeah. Where we get just to talk buffing and, and pads and which is the meat of what most people make their money on these days. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I, I have to say <laughs> coming off of selling liquids for two decades and then be, and then selling hard parts, you know, buffing pads at first, there's pros and cons to it, but I, I can't lie. I thought, oh my God, this is going to be the easiest job I ever had. And then, you know, I got on the phone with Julio like my second week and he starts talking about open cell and PPI and, you know, European foam. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's all this? I thought it was just foam for polish and wool for cut. <laughs> so, but no, what you said, I value very much. And, and I talk to guys like, you know, uh, Bob Rossman and, and Bob Myers and, and Sean from Ardex. And, you know, these guys that, you know, they've been doing it this long too. So, you know, I can still pick up a rotary buffer and I can still tear it up. And I mean that literally and, uh, and not literally, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it, put that splash guard out. I mean, the good news is with all <laughs> this COVID they're mass producing these splash guards now. So you can find one on almost any corner, right? You can order them off Amazon and get one overnight. That way, you know, it's right. like the old eighties Gallagher situation. Again, <laughs> you turn that rotary on, you don't spray the crowd. You just spray the splash guard. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But it, you know, it was important to me. And, and I think that, you know, Oh, and you and I have had a lot of, uh, just you and I, I mean, I can remember just you and I at shows just walking hotel to show yep. you asking about rotary buffers, me asking about coatings and the newer, you know, I love feeding off you younger generation, not that you're that much younger, but you know, you, you really have wrapped your arms around this innovation. And I'm not saying that I haven't Justin, but with me, it comes with so much history of quote unquote old school that, you know, I try to filter as I go forward in regards to, you know, what, what is relevant that's old, what is relevant that's obviously new, and how can I utilize the old with the new, you know, to enhance, you know, how I train and those kind of things. So yeah, your perspective is basically challenged. And it's not a negative, it's just challenged because you've got the ways that you've learned on the traditional side, and then all the newer stuff with the newer technology that comes into to kind of shorten the time frame of point A to point B completion times. And it doesn't stop, you know, it's, no. it's 
you know, I mean, I just, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, all right, I'm kind of getting these coatings down. And then you, I, I think it was already, it was already a year ago. You're like, oh, I'm looking into graphene. I go, what the hell? I'm still getting the ceramics now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy about that, not to dive too far into it, but, you know, it, what, what I've, what I've come to terms with is yes, it is an additive into most of the time, a ceramic based coating. I get it. I get the controversy. I get the whole, you know, we're not ready for it or whatever everybody says online. But the, here's the point. It's evolution. Things take time. Yep. It's accepting change and understanding what that change is and how it may or may not benefit you. Some, it may not. Some are too narrow-minded or hard-headed to wrap their head around it. But that doesn't mean that the product's not going to be there a year, two, three years from now with open arms for them with a better opportunity, you know, more uh, fine-tuned to say. And but that is the evolution of chemistry, whether it be an additive or, or a full strength product. It's something that is performing in some ways or characteristics better than what we know coatings are today. So we have to give kudos to those that are at least trying to improve these formulations, whether it be a drip drop of some new formulation or uh, a, you know, a, a significant amount of, of a new formulation to be solid either way don't knock it till you try it kind of scenario and, and move with the evolution. Don't be against it. You know, don't be against change because if you are, you're going to be left behind. I can tell you that right now, because a lot of the guys that are still stuck in their ways now of doing business and detailing or traditional detailing services are not making nowhere near as much as these guys who have embraced change and have gone with the flow and are making double, if not triple in, in regards to revenue. I think that's well said, Justin. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here and, and tell you. You know, I, I promise you. Before I, I ever heard it on podcasts and you know you speaking and Rennie speaking and you know everybody else's, you know, I used to say years ago, years ago, I'm tired of watching you give away your buff. I'm tired of watching you you give your talent away for free because. I watched every single car was judged on a basic price. It was never judged. I mean, every once in a while they'd say, well, there's an SUV, we'll give you 10 more dollars. That's not what I mean. What I mean is evaluating a car in regards to what its potential is because as I have watched you, I've listened to you on the phone and I've watched you right in front of people, okay? You and some of the other, some not just you alone, but you know, you're very good at making somebody understand that this may not be your fit. We may not be great partners. This is why, you know, you want somebody to come in and for you to do that. And I think it's, that's one of the things that I'm really excited has changed the industry is that, you know, guys and gals 20 years ago had the same talents, maybe not the same training or innovations or things like that. They had the same talents, but now there's more education out there. There's more programs out there that you can generate revenue. And now I'm watching guys and gals get premium dollar, not ridiculous, fair. I said yeah. that to a guy on the phone the other day who called uh, with some IDA questions. He said, well, I don't want to be unfair. And I said, well, what do you mean unfair? I said, how many times do you see Lexus get on TV and say, hey, we're going to start selling Lexus for $15,000 because we don't think it's fair. There's a market value for every single thing that we do, whether it's buff and paint or whether it's buying groceries or it's buying a car and, and, you know, you're missing the boat if you are not staying with what that market value is, in my opinion. Oh yeah. And when you talk pricing, that's, that's perceived value. 
everybody sure. looks at numbers differently. Everybody. What one person sees is expensive. The other person they may see is that's very reasonable. Yeah. So if you prejudge that, you're already shooting yourself in the foot. And so, I mean, overall, the, the perceived value of, of, of a dollar amount on a service, I hate seeing that. I hate seeing that. I think a lot of people just, they, they can't get out of their own way because maybe they don't see themselves spending that kind of money or they haven't had that kind of money to spend on something that they feel is such a, you know, luxury service to say. So sure. it's, it's, it's definitely where you have to take yourself from being a, a detailer trying to run a business to being a business owner that knows how to detail. There's sure. a huge gap there. And once you flip that, that's when things change in regards to being a better business owner who's not going to hesitate to ask for your value, your overall point of what you do is the, the value of not shortchanging yourself on just trying to get the service out. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's pretty neat. I mean, social media, you know, I always say this at my training classes, you know, uh, you know, back when I learned to clean cars in the late 80s, yeah. Justin, I, I watched what the guy or the gal did next to me. And that's what I did because, I mean, you know, granted, had I known that, you know, Mike Phillips had all those training books, you know, written way back when, when he was with McGuire's, I probably would have picked up some of those, but there was no training, at least that I knew of. And I always say, you know, I was with Jason Kilmer and Matt Arn up in Chicago and we did a bunch of uh, uh, high school students. And I remember telling them, I said, look, if you like this, there's tons of training available. There's tons of ways that you could learn this craft, not only how to do it better, but guess what? Also, how to make some money at doing it. And I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. And that's where training is so important. You know, it's one of those things that, yes, you can be self-taught to a certain extent, you know, just like in business, there's, there's to a certain extent you get it, but at some point in time, you've got to look for more. You've got to be eager to want more, have more, do more with your business or your craft. And that's where you reach out to those that have been there, done that to kind of grab that knowledge from them because it's a legacy thing. So they've gained so much like yourself, so many years in this industry. Why not as a newcomer, reach out to somebody like you or somebody that they look up to, sure. to gather more information? Because once that person goes, that information goes with them. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the older generation who's been there, done that, it could pass that down to the newer generation, but the newer generation also has to understand how to communicate and ask when they want help, need help. And that's what training is for, for networking. If anything, you get the networking out of it, you get the contacts that could put you on to the next level of what you're trying to achieve. Some people just look at it as, oh, I don't need training. I know how to do that already. Well, what if there's somebody there that you could have met that put you on to a different level of what you're doing or introduce you to some way of new way of, of making money or an additional revenue stream that sure. you just weren't aware of. But that, again, it all has to do with communication and getting involved and networking and being part of the trainings, whether it be a small training or a large training, there still has value in them at many different levels. And you've been training people now for how many years, would you say, once you really started getting the groove um, of training? Well, I, I would say, you know, it was early 2000s that I was involved with the Toyota program, um, the Toyota certified program. And I became a, a certified Toyota trainer. Uh, Steve Winfield, actually, who's with Automagic, and I worked on that program a little bit together. But that was the early 2000s. But I became uh, a recognized trainer with IDA in early 2015. So 
honestly, in regards to the recognized trainers, um, you know, I got in pretty early and what was cool about it, Justin, was that it, 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 there was finally something that was made for Clint, meaning, you know, there was finally like, you know, as, as a kid growing up, everybody called me a car washer. All my high school friends and even my college friends, they're like, oh, Clint's got to watch this, go wash cars on Saturday. And I just got tired of, you know, correcting them. But, you know, once I got to a place where I worked real hard and I said, wait, this is, this is me. This is the badge that I want to wear. I have worked, I've been cleaning cars since I was knee high to a grasshopper. You know, I wouldn't say that I quote unquote professionally knew how to be a good detailer and trainer till easily was the early to middle 2000s. It took me that many years with Automagic to learn. I didn't know when I got there. I thought I did. But what I had to do is almost forget everything that I knew and start fresh. And I'm glad that I did. And, uh, you know, because there's a lot of change that happens. And, I, and again, back to the IDA, I was just like, wow, you know, there's really something that I think I can do. I think I can do it well. And I think that it's, it's made for me. And, and I really like that aspect of it because, you know, you and I are both so passionate about, you know, International Detailing Association. No, I agree. And that's goes hand in hand so well with with all the opportunities that are being put forward with the IDA but you know with with your efforts and all the training and everything you know that's it's a lot to be said because you've, you've done it with so many different brands so you've been able to see different angles and, and you know being a trainer is different than just bringing people in and showing them how to do things you've really got to be able to explain at many different levels to where you're not talking over talking under them you're talking to them and yeah. being able to break it down and be simplistic. I mean, that's one of the big things that, you know, Mike and Rennie are so good at is because they've been doing it so, so long and, yeah. and understanding the individual person and how to get across to them. Because we're talking the same language, right? We're talking detailing. And realistically, being a detailer, you're, you don't have a gender at that point. You are a detailer. Yep. So the only thing that may be there different is a language barrier based on a different kind of language. But you know, you put the polisher in their hand, you show them how many passes to make and what to put on the pad. That's pretty much a, uh, a detail in language, if you ask me, you know, and it doesn't take much of a language barrier there other than just showing them. But, you know, there's a lot of different ways to train. And that takes the effort of understanding that and realistically listening and watching other trainers so you could become a better trainer. Because you can't just open up your doors as a detail and be like, I'm going to be a trainer. It doesn't, yeah. I mean, you could try and a lot of times trial and error does essentially get you to be more successful at doing it. Um, but you really want to roll with the people who have been doing it for years. That way you get vetted and creditable and all those things like what you've achieved in, in the industry to where you just know that, you know, oh, if you went to him and he showed you how to do this, it would be solid information, valuable information. Yeah, because there's a lot of valuable information out there, and I, I don't always know the answers, but one thing I can tell you that I feel like I, I've done very well, even before I worked for Buff and Shine, is, is I've networked. You know, yeah. I always talk to my competition. Let me tell you something. Automagic makes a good product. Competing against freaking Bob Myers and, and Sean Rowan and, and, and Malco and, and, and freaking BP over there at PNS. And that's just a short list. You know, it was tough to do. You had to know your SHIT when you were out there or those guys were going to eat your lunch because they had good products. And, you know, looking at some of those lines now, how they've changed and 
advanced is just really cool. It's just cool. I can't, sometimes I look at the industry and I go, it's just so, it's just bigger than me right now, but I, I just love it. I'm just passionate about it. Yeah. Like, and all those guys have a good best and better when it comes to their product lineup. So it's kind of hard to a new guy coming in to decipher what, what the best fit is for him other than just giving it a try and, and, you know, sure. running a test drive with it and see what works for you and your business model and realistically what you're trying to achieve. Cause demographically or geographically are <laughs> anyway, city to city, state to state is, is a much different way on how these products play out sometimes. So that definitely is a huge difference in figuring out what's the best fit for you versus getting on the hype train where social media displays a product or brand and everybody's like, I like it. I love it. I want it. And then all of a sudden you got all these people buying it, which is great. It's a good wave, especially for the person selling it. But <laughs> it's also sometimes just that just, just hype and just a wave. And yeah, it's like any surfer, you ride the wave as long as you can until it dies out. That's right. That's right. It's just, it, you know, it's a neat time right now. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to name all the companies, but you know, I felt like, you know, back in the 2000s, it was, you know, there was basically five companies that I was competing against. And, you know, now it's like, there's so many companies out there and, you know, there's some really innovative companies and, you know, I, you know, I'll throw Rocco a plug, you know, over at Gliptone, you know, I remember oh, yeah. when he was my customer, Justin, he was just, a, I'm not saying he had a small business. He was a quote unquote no. distributor. He bought from Automagic, he resold and, you know, he just, I watched him over 10 years build well, he bought Cliptone, added it to Chemco, and that guy's got it going on. He's got some neat products going on, some innovation going on, and not limited to just Cliptone, but these companies that are coming up and going, hey, we got to step up here because you know what? I got tons of wax out in the garage, and I'm not saying I never use it, but you know what? That's not the buzzword right now. Compounds, pads, machines, coatings carpet cleaners, deodorizers, things like that. Those are the innovative chemicals right now that these companies are working on. And, and I think it's just cool how, how the innovations come along. I agree. So as far as with where you're at with Buff and Shine right now, so explain, you know, what, what you do for Buff and Shine exactly, your title and your position, and then also what, what, your, uh, what your future looks like and where, where you feel you want to be in the next like three to five years. Well, um, Buff and Shine's been good to me, and I, I hope they agree I've been good with them. I, I, I feel like it's a good fit for me because I started in January uh, a couple years back, and it was April before I signed up my first customer. And I remember telling Julio, I, I'm not going to make it. This is not for me. And he kept saying, Flinto, plant the seed, water it. Buffing pads are different than selling liquids. And I had to learn that. But boy, I'll tell you, when it came, it came. And then when the news got out there that, you know, I was in the buff and pad business, I got some phone calls. Did I close every one of those deals, Justin? No, but people called because they recognized me. Oh, I remember working with Clint when he was a kid, when he didn't have any gray hair and he didn't have to shave every day back in the <laughs> night. You know? So, um, but anyways, with Buff and Shine, I'm basically the North American sales manager over the East. So I, I basically, Julio and I kind of split the country in half and I cover uh, Canada, Mexico, uh, and then pretty much the, the states down through the Dakotas and Texas. But as I kind of mentioned earlier, Julio and I don't really have a territory. I, I work so well with Julio that he knows, get it done, do whatever you got to do. 
And then the same goes back to him. And I, I feel like, you know, him and I just have a great reputation on saying, hey, look, it's not about mine or yours. It's ours. And if it becomes something we need to talk about, we'll have an adult discussion about it. And if not, let's just go get the business. So we've had a, I've had a great couple of years, even this year, I, Justin, I, I can't tell you that, that I'm going to, that the wheels have fallen off the cart for my territory. So I'm really excited what the next couple of years bring, um, what Buff and Shine decides to do. You know, I mean, we're growing as a company and, and I know you have seen some of the emails. We got some really, really cool new stuff coming out. I love some of the ideas that, you know, between you and Julio and the demo team, uh, I'm real excited. You know, I know a lot of it's not going to happen right when I want it to. It might take us into 2021 a little bit, but I'm really excited about some of the new pads we're talking about, some of the innovation we're talking about. So three to five years, um, you'll be working for me, Justin, because I will own Buff and Shine. Now, yeah. <laughs> uh, quite honestly, I, I just want to kind of see where this goes. I, I you know, I, I want to just keep building my territory and my reputation. And, you know, hopefully in three to five years, you know, I'll be a little bit more solid of a figure at Buff and Shine. And, and as we grow as a company, which, you know, a lot of accolades to you for helping us do so. Uh, who knows? The sky's the limit for Clinto. And I love that. Good. I love it. Yeah, no, it's there's a lot of good good efforts that have integrity of being able to follow through. And that's, you know, that's one of the big things that you're known for with the IDA and the committees, but also with, with us, you know, with Buff and Shine. And it, it helps a lot because, you know, we all have different directions and different roles we play. And sometimes we have to put on different hats to play yeah. multiple roles. And so having team members like yourself that help pick up the slack sometimes and or help remind us to follow through with things is, is definitely a huge benefit. Uh, not um, not to take away from any other group, because there's a lot of groups, especially a lot of the ones we mentioned that have great teams as well, but not everybody gets the opportunity to experience, you know, good teamwork like that. Sometimes, you know, especially big corporations where corporate, you just run it up and it's all micromanaged and things get declined and, yeah. you know, things don't work out for the better as a team that way. Unfortunately, it all comes down to the politics with in-house for the brand um, versus just saying go. Just make it happen. Go. Yeah. Um, but that's that's been awesome. And, you know, I could say in the next three to five years, despite this whole COVID situation, we definitely have some growth behind us. Uh, oh, the yeah. industry has some growth. But I agree. I think this year, you know, despite this whole COVID thing has been still a solid year. Online sales for every distributor have gone through the roof. Yeah. Um, so the good thing is that, you know, products are still going out. People are still detailing cars. And, you know, technically some of us, for the most part, are pretty much essential at what we do. Yeah. Uh, even though it's a luxury service, but we're able to, you know, still make money for ourselves. And unfortunately there are some cities and states that it's not that easy. Um, you know, being here in Florida, I'm a little spoiled because we're the most lenient state out of them all right now. Yeah. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing considering the, you know, spike and everything, but you know, it's, it's, I, I see a lot of good things on the horizon going into 21 after we get past all this, you know, COVID stuff for, for the brand of Buff and Shine and for the industry overall. Absolutely. But um, so at this point, I mean, you know, we've, we've covered some really good grounds and content yeah, and uh, I think we've got a lot on for, for this first uh, demo run of a podcast. I'll have to fix my camera. I'm a little, I think I'm a side. I don't know. I, th I'm, I look straight up and down, but, 
the background behind me looks a little sideways. That's all right. Work in progress. Yeah. And I've got to get a good monitor in front of me instead of looking, you know, I'm looking at the camera, but my monitor is actually above the camera. So <laughs> that light that's shining, you know, I'm talking to Clint and it's like, I'm talking to God, you know, it's just <laughs> I'm trying to get the glare out of my eyes when I'm looking up at you. Hey, Justin, um, don't yeah. put me on that high of a pedestal. Yeah. Yet, <laughs> don't worry. That, that, that stool and ladder is missing a couple steps. So I'll catch you when you fall. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, good dry run. Again, we're going to have these uh, podcasts every Wednesday. We're going to go live with different uh, industry uh, people with different subjects. Uh, and it's just going to be that. It's going to be, you know, business, life, and detailing. It's a little bit of a different twist uh, to some of the podcasts that are out there. That way, it's not always talking about product and procedures. You know, maybe somebody's personal come up, maybe their business. Who knows? Maybe their life, maybe their kids and family. Uh, it's all what we touch on. It's kind of a free for all. We'll have some bullet point questions, but we'll also allow for the audience to ask questions as well so they can be engaged and uh, maybe get some answers that, you know, from a direct source that they weren't able to get before uh, as easily. So again, thank you, Clint. And uh, we'll go ahead and sign off. And I appreciate anybody and everybody who is listening to our first dry run, our official unofficial first podcast. So <laughs> Uh, so thank you for watching and it's Reflection Artist Live. Check us out on social media or any of our podcast platforms. You guys take care and thanks again, Clint. Thank you, Justin. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Right. See you, bro. See you later. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out buffandshine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.